Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. This is a show where we talk about anything and everything, A Song of Ice and Fire by Simon, the miniatures game. So tonight uh, we are going to be continuing on with our uh, Overlooked Units, Part 2. Uh, in the first part of that, if you guys haven't already listened to it, we talked about Starks, Lannisters, and Neutrals. So definitely go check that episode out, though uh, you can stay on this episode if you haven't because uh you don't really need to listen to them in any particular order uh but i would definitely go check out the other one a lot of great insight in that episode um but yeah for tonight we will be talking about the other factions which is baratheons night's watch free folk and targaryens um tonight we have with us myself and brett and i think uh justin's going to be on in a bit uh to help us kind of go through uh some of this as well. It'd be nice to kind of get his insight on some of the Baratheon stuff. Uh, but uh, I think first off, we're going to talk about Targaryens uh, simply because they're kind of the easiest. They don't have a lot of options. So um, th- I think the Targaryen players are already kind of using everything at their disposal to kind of see what works. Cause at the moment, you know, not having a lot of options uh, kind of, you know, it stifles, uh, a little bit of the creativity but fortunately for them you know there's a lot of established neutral units so uh we might splice in a neutral unit here or there to kind of you know maybe uh turn this into a way to help out any targaryen players that are listening in um so uh brett why don't you uh kind of take us off with targaryens only because my uh experience with them is sort of limited to my play group uh, i have not face them outside of my playgroup, and I know you've probably faced them a decent amount in on TTS and maybe even in your local from time to time. Yeah, sure. Um, I think basically, like you said, um, Targaryens kind of are using every unit just uh, simply because they don't have a whole lot of choice. So um, in the spirit of... Uh, the show and what we're talking about, I guess, for, for Targaryens, we we have to skip just, like, the general units because everybody's running Outriders, Screamers, Unsullied, uh, Solo Jorah. So, and, well, now Dragons because they're on TTS. But uh, I will say that I think the two most overlooked things in the Targaryen army are the Unsullied Officer and the Screamer KO. So, with the Unsullied Officer... Um, since it's been clarified in the FAQ, it's essentially, even if you can't make an attack, you can use it as an activation pass, which is a really big deal for Targaryens. So I have actually played some games where I used uh, the Queen of Marine just to get the NCU commander that wasn't Roost, and then I took Stormcrow Archers with uh, the Unsullied Officer, and it, it actually works okay. So you can push that list out to eight activations pretty easily uh, with counting the Unsullied Officer's order, and you're able to squeeze in your heavy-hitting units. So I ran uh, Rhaegal just simply because uh, I didn't want to run more than one dragon without Danny's cards, and Rhaegal uh, creating that weakened token is actually really helpful to keep some of the Targaryen units around. And then... uh, when when they've got the potential to attack, you know, a guaranteed attack from a tactic board because of the money bag or the sword and your opponent claims one and you can claim the other, 
Those unsullied or the archers with the unsullied officer being able to shoot three times in a round at minimum is actually pretty decent. So um, I'd like to give it a little bit more play. I really want to try the unsullied officer in Bastards Girls. Uh, I think it could be – it's 10 points, so it's competing with Dothraki veterans. While it does a similar role, if you think about it, the though the uh, Bastards Girls with the unsullied officer can potentially get 16 attacks, and 12 of them would have Vicious, and they can potentially create their own vulnerable token, where the Dothraki veterans are a little bit faster – but they've got uh, 15 attacks. So the Bastards girls edge them out a little bit, but then the uh, Dothraki uh, veterans are faster, and then they've got uh, four-plus defense. So it's kind of tough. They're kind of similar roles, but I just I just want to give it a try with the Unsullied Officer and the Bastards girls. And then as far as the Screamer Co., um, it's interesting, but I think it can work because I've tried Screamers so many times, and... You know, even with the uh, Outrider code, they're just a little bit underwhelming. I think the idea that the developers had in mind is that the Outrider Co. there to support and throw out the vulnerable token for the Screamers to charge in, get, getting the Sundering, and then using that vulnerable token. So it's something that I need to experiment with a little bit more. But uh, I think I think that uh, the, the Screamer Co., I, I just really never see him used. So it might be worth giving it a try because he can give those uh, screamers some teeth, and even the uh, veterans. You know, having the seven shots followed by the eight melee with thundering, it should certainly finish the unit off. Um, I know that situationally vulnerable is better than just thundering on its own in a vacuum, but when you're having the opportunity to pair the two together, in which case you could uh, choose the Saren to pop out vulnerable tokens whenever whenever he attacks. Uh, it could be a way to push more damage from that co as well. So that's my thoughts on that. Um, you know, again, with every unit, I've seen every unit used because uh, Targaryen players are currently still just kind of beating their heads on the wall trying to make do with, with what they have. Yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely with... Uh the Bastards Girls, um, that was actually kind of something I was going to bring up. And uh, to kind of combo with exactly what you were saying with the uh, with running them with the captain, it might sound pricey, but, I mean, think of how often, uh, maybe a little less now than before because the lieutenant is out, but how often did you see Bastards Girls with Bronn? You know, that's a nine-point unit. And for one more point, you're getting a whole nother activation, a whole nother attack rather than just pure attack only if you have the, the, um, wealth zone. So, but a combo to run with that, I was going to suggest is also, um, a very, uh, overlooked NCU in general. I'm sure, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people need to start to run him a bit more is uh, Littlefinger. you run Littlefinger you can take that maneuver zone and trigger the f- combat zone with the Bastard's Girls, shoot for free, and get a free charge from Sikkim. And now you still haven't activated, and you haven't activated your officer. And if they don't, depending on what you charge, let's say if it's like something a bit 
less offensive, like a warden unit, you know, if their rebuttal is to take the combat zone, I mean, they're not going to be doing a whole lot to your Bastard Scrolls. Yeah, you have a six-up armor, but that morale almost ensures that you're going to pass there, and they don't have a lot of hitting power. So uh, your Peter almost forces your opponent into that taking that combat zone because taking the money might be okay, but healing three probably probably won't be worth it for the fact that those Bastard Scrolls are going to get three more attacks between another combat zone, the officer, and their activation. So it's definitely something to be, uh, you know, considered. Uh, I think the NCUs at the disposal of the Targaryens are definitely not bad by no means. They have some really uh, solid NCUs, but I think to overlook Littlefinger or even some of the other neutral NCUs, might be a mistake. I think they uh, definitely mesh well with some of the combos you can uh, trigger with them. And I think uh, Peter to take the maneuver because the maneuver is what uh, a lot of your cards are going to trigger off of. The problem is, is you know, the uh, the Targaryens are already fast. You know, you don't really need that free maneuver. So the ability to claim the spot while triggering some other effect, mainly the combat zone is just, you know, in my opinion, kind of priceless. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I, I think in general, Peter is uh, is an overlooked one. Um, whenever we uh, whenever we talked about neutrals, we kind of focused on the actual combat unit. Um, but uh, I think Peter in general, yeah, he's overlooked. I think he's really valuable. I think that... Uh, before the neutrals got other NCUs, the combination of Peter and uh, Varys was a kind of like a timeless, very, very good combination uh, in conjunction with Bruce. And then when you started to see your Walder and Tycho has some appeal, you started to see Peter a lot less. But I've actually been circling back to Peter and choosing him over Varys in Lannister builds because with the Kingsguard, um, and I know, of course, we're not talking about Lannisters at the moment, but just Peter Baelish in general, I, I think he's overlooked because with the Kingsguard, you can you can claim the crown zone with Peter and immediately uh, start triggering Kingsguard effects like Mirren Trant and Preston by using the combat zone and the maneuver zone uh, to start getting those actions. And uh, I think I think just in general, uh, Varys is obviously really good for control, but I think that. Uh, Myself and some other people are starting to see the value in Peter because over the course of so many games, especially in a tournament, uh, you're going to find that Varys, while he's strong, he does let you down in some clutch moments. And Peter is, Peter always works. So um, there's that. But uh, yeah, I just definitely want to agree that, that Peter is overlooked. Yeah, and I think one of Peter's strongest, uh, you know, things he brings to the table is you can almost force your opponent into picking, you know, activating with an NCU next because the last thing they're going to want to do is let you take double on a spot, you know, a double heal, a double combat, um, double letter even. I mean, having four Taxus cards throwing out two tokens, I mean, that in itself could even make up for that uh, Outrider Co. And so that you can run the... Screamer Co., um, you know, 
throwing out multiple vulnerables with uh, Peter doing the mail uh, shenanigans and then now charging in with that thundering, as you're mentioning. Because I know kind of the biggest problem with uh, trying to run both codes is just finding the points. You know, the Targaryens kind of have a, a tough time meeting up with the uh, activation uh, limit compared to most factions. So uh, finding space for both codes might be a bit tough, but if you're running Peter, you might be able to kind of substitute that a bit. Um, but yeah, Varus is definitely a great option, um, but definitely depends on how reliable you want to kind of go that route. I know for me, I don't know why I even bother taking him. I feel like uh, anytime I run him competitively, he, you know, at best I get two of his four orders to go off, but it's usually one is I would say the safe bet on most of my games. Uh, friendly games though, I tend not to bring him in most friendly games, but when I do, he tends to work all the time, ironically. So, um, yeah, uh, as far as other units that might work really well that are kind of overlooked, uh, another one I think would be Stormcrow Archers, just another kind of ranged unit. You know, for six points, it's the same as the Outriders, but uh, you're going to be able to, you know, kind of throw in that uh, um, Lieutenant if you want, if you're going to uh, kind of commit to the money bag. Uh for some, you know, sundering and extra dice. I still would think that even though the Outriders don't have a melee attack, uh, that you might still be better off with them at six points. Uh, they kind of, kind they can kind of get out of situations a bit better, and then the uh, nimble really uh, kind of makes them dangerous, depending on what terrain you got going on. So, but Stormcrow archers are definitely something to, you know as we've been kind of saying, not overlook. It's definitely a strong unit that, uh, you know, can give you some long-ranged shooting while the rest of your stuff kind of charges in. I think I think the, uh, the Outriders, as you mentioned them, are just kind of criminally underrated for the most part. I, but I think they're also one of those units where the people who use them swear by them and they love them and they just won't leave home without them. And then there are other people who just won't get past the lack of a melee attack and they just won't even try them. But uh, Outriders are, I mean, they're currently outside of the veterans just because of their explosive play potential. The Outriders are the best thing that Targaryens have going for them. Um, they are really, really, really good. Um in, in particular, in a Dance with Dragons, because they can maintain a 9-inch threat while they, while they hold on to that token, because the, uh, when you control the token, your speed is slowed down to 2, and the shift isn't based on your unit speed. So they can actually shift with the token further than a regular cavalry unit can maneuver. So um outriders i think are just fantastic and uh i think people sleep on how much they can boot scoot and boogie with that uh double three inch shift i mean moving up six shift three shoot shift three again uh it's essentially you know a march move for a fast unit so and they've shot while they're at it so i think they're great um i think they're great they're hard to catch they're really annoying they're a harassing unit and because of the Targaryen deck, even if you do catch them, 
they're difficult to one shot because they've got um, a pretty solid morale um, and they're able to, you know, use swift retreat and things like this to very quickly uh, get back into the, what they want to do, which is dance around and harass. So um, I think more people should probably give outriders a try, uh, especially if they're just spamming screamers, uh, mix an outrider in there and, and see how it does for you. Yeah, and I'd like to note I I love running these guys uh, on you know my limited experience of playing as Targaryens. I like kind of running them as a one of. And if you're playing uh, in your group or even a tournament where you get to pick uh, your terrain, you know, putting some palisades can really, you know, throw a curveball at your opponent. Having nimble to kind of jump uh, back and forth, you know, from in and out of uh, you know that uh, palisade. Uh, you know, from side to side to shoot can really be a nuisance. Um, and it kind of will help with that uh, activation uh, discrepancy. You know, if you're if you're down on activations compared to your opponent, if they have to spend a round or two destroying the palisades that you've placed with your choices, uh, you know, that is just more, uh, you know, that's just going to help you way more than it's going to help them. So I think uh, if you guys aren't already using Outriders, definitely try one unit. And if you're placing, if you're picking your own terrain, throw some Palisades out there and kind of see if you can use it to your advantage. And like uh, Brett was saying, you know, you have some cards to kind of get you out of that combat uh, if you do get uh, charged. Um, but yeah, Nimble is definitely something that can be pretty scary. And yeah, with uh, Dance of Dragons or any other uh, mission where it's going to let you move around with the tokens, uh, you know, you can definitely try to put some ground between you and uh, the opponent. And never take for granted uh, being charged and then retreating, because you could retreat up to eight inches if you rolled at six, you know, because even though your move stat's a two, it's still two plus D6. Um, so something to keep in mind. Uh, I think otherwise... Uh, Everything else is pretty uh, strongly used. So uh, I think we can kind of move on. Uh, next up, we can talk about Free Folk. So for Free Folk, to say that uh, for me, one of the most overlooked units is probably um, Spearwives. Uh, Spearwives is something that even with their point decrease, I really don't see a whole lot of. Uh, and I'm surprised. Uh, granted, you know, they don't seem like they hit all that hard, but, uh, you know, combined with the right commander with, you know, adding some dice uh, in there, you know, especially if it's like plus three dice that some of the commanders I can give. I mean, ten dice hitting on fours, but if you're charging in and getting those rerolls and getting sundering, I mean, it can get bit uh, pretty crazy. Or if you, uh, I mean, granted, Everyone's always running uh, Egret as uh, NCU. If you run her w as the attachment and just go uh, try to snipe an attachment with their ranged attack, uh, you know that can be game-changing as well, especially if they're hinging on an attachment for a combo in a unit. Let's say uh, Night's Watch with Vets in half-hand in there. That, you know, in my opinion, that unit is more tanky than uh, Jon Snow in Vets. And though they might not heal, you know, with uh, Jon's order, the amount of damage they can do in return from their abilities is just nuts. But if you can take Half-Hand out with, 
egret combined with some spear wives i mean like i said that could kind of be game changing and really make uh you know that vet unit which would seem on you know untouchable for a lot of uh free folk units now something that can kind of crumble with you know some teaming up uh, i definitely i fully agree with your uh choice of spear wise um they were actually going to be my first choice if you hadn't mentioned them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think that for the most part, free folk players um, just see the trappers and the raiders, see the fact that they're insignificant, and they kind of just run with it. Um, it works. Uh, free folk, they they definitely lost some standing, uh, but they, uh, I mean, it, it still works. Uh, insignificant spam particularly with Harma, just works. Um, it's unfortunate. I wish that it didn't because it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit obnoxious, but uh, outside of that, it, I mean, it definitely works. You can't argue with it, but I think they see the, the spear wives and the first thing that comes to mind is, well, why would I run spear wives over trappers? Because if spear wives die, they give up the victory point. But uh, it's also for me the non-diminishing attack profile. They're similar to halberds, um, except for they don't have sundering, but they're also two points cheaper. Um, and for a free folk unit, their morale is not horrible. Seven is technically average in this game. That's the dice roll that gives you a 50-50 shot. Um, seven's better than eight. Not a whole lot better, but um, they can they can do some work actually. Uh, the spearwives. Uh, the native attachment for them being the Spearwife Matriarch. Uh, at that point, you're back to a five-point unit. Uh, but normally what I see that, that has a pretty good deal of success is Spearwives with, uh, with Jarl and uh, with Stire NCU. So you bring the Spearwives onto the board with Stire, claiming the maneuver zone. You put Stire onto the Spearwives, and all of a sudden... Uh, your opponent has to turn around or he's getting charged in the rear or the flank with the sundering plus the D3 wounds from Steyr, and it's just bad business. But any point where you can get your opponent to commit units to a flank where you weren't expecting that to happen is taking more of their attention away from the center of the battlefield where presumably they have all of these insignificant units to cut through um, to stop them from just scoring easy objective points, and uh, especially in Feast for Crows, where they just kind of want that first unit of raiders to die so that they can just overwhelm you with bodies, uh, you know, bring it back with the endless horde and, and sit on that objective that's in their backfield. So the spearwives are actually a really good distraction for for taking a very strong combat unit out of the game and making it that much harder to cut through all of their numbers. Um, in particular, as a Night's Watch player, uh, I'll occasionally put my, my Sworn Brothers on one outside flank to hold that flank down. Uh, yeah, if Spearwives with, with Yarl pop up on that flank, I don't have a choice but to to deal with that however I can. Uh, at, at, you know, at, at, the mo- at the least, I have to turn them around to take that charge in the front. But it can be a really nasty charge even in the front. So, uh I think that people should give that a try, um, either, like you said, with Ygritte for the assassination ability or with Steyr to bring them on the flank. And uh, I think your opponent will 
ignore them one time, and then they'll never do it again. So, Yeah, I mean, I had one uh, game. I think it was uh, – I want to say it was actually very last uh, tournament uh, at, at uh, family time that, I, you know, me and Justin went out there. Uh, I had killed uh, a unit of Spearwives, and I was in the – you know, in their deployment, because uh, he had just uh, brought them back with uh, Endless Horde and killed them. And his very next action is bring them back again with Endless Horde facing my rear and then charges me. <laughs> and he, like, obliterated my Berserker unit. You know, it's the charge from them can get super nasty. That Sundering is definitely, you know, completely overlooked in a lot of cases. Uh, it's, if I'm not mistaken, something that the uh, free folk don't really have access to other than, what, maybe the uh, cave dwellers, uh, and that's only if they lose a rank or if their opponent lost a rank. Um, yeah, defenders lost a rank. So, I mean, or if maybe if you're on um, Tormund attachment, but at two points, you know, if that's half of a... Um, unit of Spearwives, so definitely uh, number one overlooked uh, unit for Free Folk, in my opinion. Uh, we do actually have Justin with us now. Um, thank you, Justin, for uh, coming on. Uh, so did you uh, have any Free Folk uh, units that kind of popped out as super overlooked? Uh, well, we already talked about Spearwives, it seems, uh, but what you just said a second ago, the Cave Dwellers, I feel like they're super overlooked now. Uh, I think when they first came out, I saw them being used a lot, but I haven't seen them be used basically at all, and people generally only talk about them in negative connotations, so... Um, yeah, I you, think that's a pretty you good guys, You guys are stealing the, the ideas right out of my mouth. I think Cave Dwellers <laughs> are just... They are just criminally underrated, in my opinion. So uh, one of the biggest complaints from free folk players is uh, how can I win against Melisandre because my commander's unit is dead in round two and I don't get any of the bonuses for having a, a commander. You have a unit with morale four. <laughs> like, why isn't your commander in the unit that has morale four? Oh, well, because they've nerfed cave dwellers so badly that they are just unusable. Uh, no, really, they didn't. Uh, Harma exists in commander form and she exists as an attachment. Both versions, you can get the vicious back, which is the biggest complaint that they have. The thing that they kind of complain the most about. Well, they, they don't get vicious. They can for a point or if you put Harma in it, which you should be putting Harma in them anyway, because the first thing that Melisandre and Cersei are going to do is bomb Harma in Trappers or in Raiders off the board. So having that four-plus morale, we've talked about it a number of times with Berserkers. Uh, Stark Bowman for uh, any, any ranged unit is just... They, I've now started to see that, that people are running ranged almost all the time, you know, in, in TTS. And it's because, well, a number of reasons, range is just really good. You want something dead, but you don't want to get up close to it, so you shoot it. But... Uh, the Stark Bowmen in particular are showing up really strong in the Free Folk match because 
you're going to do massive wounds to their commander because they're just spamming insignificant. Once you kill the free folk commander and stop their ability to place tokens of fire and blood or score double points in Feast for Crows, which is, you know, generally their strongest scenario, Feast for Crows, uh, it's a whole lot easier to beat them. If your commanders in Cave Dweller Savages, they're very unlikely to fail those panic tests. Uh, five versus a nine when you're sitting on a corpse pile. Uh, but it's not just that. It's, it's not just the high morale for the commander. Uh, cave dwellers will, I mean, they will take your lunch money if you are almost dead. There's not a better finishing unit, really, um, in that point bracket. Nothing better than just going in and destroying a unit. Um, their bonuses are insane. Uh, I have lost uh, veterans of the watch from a front charge from cave dwellers because uh, Steyr trappers, you know, did enough damage to take them down to their last rank, and the cave dwellers just smacked them off the table like it was wasn't even close. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they get plus one to hit and plus one attack dice for each uh, destroyed rank that you have, so they can come in swinging nine on twos, and then they can make you vulnerable. You're probably not living through that. You need really good dice to live, even with a three-plus defensive save. So I don't really understand people's huge problem with cave dwellers. Um, and then again, with Harma, they can come in straight off the bat with Vicious. Uh, trappers are really good at helping destroy ranks with their hidden traps. Giants are really good at taking entire ranks off. Go finish them with the cave dwellers. A unit with average defense and average morale should succumb to a swing from a giant and then a charge from cave dwellers, particularly if harm is in them giving vicious. So I personally can't wrap my head around it. Whenever I play free folk, which I occasionally do, I bring the weeper attachment and I bring cave dweller savages with harma in some form. I never have an issue with getting my points out of the cave dwellers. Uh, of course, Justin, unfortunately, you know <laughs> about that little dirty combination uh, when you were tinkering around with Baratheon. So, I mean, not just for me, but you can I'm sure you can attest to the, the potency of cave dwellers, as, especially the finisher. And they're fast. Their movement's thick. So. Well, that and, uh, like, for my army, obviously, uh, it, it relies on dealing damage out of panic tests or extra damage, like finishing a unit, I really like one-shotting a unit. I can't really one-shot them. They're not something that's, like, relatively one-shottable at all. Like, maybe there's a couple things, but you really have to get lucky, like... And even if you do one-shot them, like, they're still... Or that you take them down to, to one rank, they're still extremely powerful at one rank for something that's so cheap and almost dead. You've got to be really careful around them, definitely. I would say uh I would say another really looked overlooked unit, um, especially with the changes, are giants. Uh I have not seen a giant in forever. And I understand uh sort of why. You know, being able to turn them to zero attacks, uh, or, you know, turn their one attack into just a vanilla attack that doesn't really do anything can pre be pretty devastating for a seven point uh, unit. Um, but their survivability is through the roof, 
and their ability to contest uh, and control objectives is also kind of insane. Um, I would say this is more so a suggestion of when you're running like two like in a tournament with uh, two list format, definitely try to get a giant in one of your lists. That way, it, when you see your opponent's list, if you know that they don't really have an answer for a giant uh, in the way of kind of shutting you off, I mean, that is, in my opinion, like a go-to. Giants, as long as you kind of combine them with a little healing here and there, like Craster or just taking the money bag, I mean, the money bag might not be as uh, ideal. Um, a lot of the times, you know, your opponent's probably going to see that. But Craster, you know, a great three-point NCU that they're not really going to be able to counter in a lot of situations. And he's going to be able to not only net you a card, um, but, you know, heal two wounds on a giant, which essentially is four. Um, and, you know, I think giants are one of the, for me anyways, almost no matter what faction I'm playing, one of the scariest things I ever see when I'm facing free folk. Um, and, you know, it just surprises me that I really, you know, haven't seen any just because of how dangerous they can be. Uh, you know, I, what are they now? Are they, uh, don't they do more damage than they did before? Yeah. They do D3 so, plus two and they have six wounds now. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't even really charge these guys if the combat zone is free. You sit one of these guys, granted seven points is a lot of points to kind of sit on an objective for free folk. You know, it seems like, in a way, it seems like a waste. But, you know, if they have to charge you, I mean, you're almost guaranteed to kill them as long as, you know, you don't whiff on your attack. Uh, but in a lot of cases, you, you know, um, you know, you should uh, be able to one-two punch almost anything in the game, especially if they're going to knock a couple wounds off of you. Because, uh, you know, let's not forget that, you know, depending on what charges you, if they have a mediocre to bad morale, you know, you're going to also throw some wounds on there from the failed panic test. So, I think Giants, definitely overrated. And never uh, take for granted, you know, throwing three extra attacks on a Giant, you know, with like Harma or, you know, uh, is it Weeper? Um, you know, granted, it's not going to really change uh, how many wounds you're going to do. Uh, it's still only going to generate one trigger of the Giant's ability. But you almost guarantee the outcome that, if they have like a minus two dice from like a martial superiority or uh, uh, just anything else that's going to reduce like a couple attacks off your giant, you know, you're going to ensure that that giant is going to now still hit because if now you have four attacks reduced by two, you know, you're going to have, you know, at least two, uh, two attacks left hitting on two or better. I guess martial superiority isn't the best example because it's going to also shut off your ability, but I get, you know, if, I think you kind of know what I mean. You know, like if if something's gonna just take away your dice rather than your ability, you know, extra dice can't really hurt. You know, and even if they're not gonna have any ability like that at all, you know, four dice only needing one of them to hit on two or better uh, is pretty insane. So, uh, so yeah, I would definitely uh, say that giants are one of those units that uh, is overlooked now. They're definitely pretty popular um, on TTS. A lot of the times you see a pairing that's 
the Harma Circus, and then Tormund Double Giants. Uh, it's basically for exactly what you said. If if you've got a list that's not ready for Giants, and maybe it was just a, you know, a flash in the pan where for a little bit people weren't really prepared for Giants, but I've seen it. Uh, I've had to face it, and, uh, yeah, I was playing my more elite Night's Watch list, and I threw 20 Sworn Brother attacks into the Giant and Ghost attacking from the rear. And I managed to do exactly five wounds. And he managed to do uh, exactly ten when he hit me. So it was pretty bad days. He rolled. He rolled. I, my Sworn Brothers had ten wounds left, and he rolled a three on the D3. So it was uh, three plus seven and just wiped the unit out. It was bad days for me. I'm going to remember that for a long time. <laughs> I mean, I just got clubbed and wiped out by the giant and I hadn't even put a scratch in the other one. So um, they find some success. Yeah. When you, when you're playing against an army that doesn't have a way to deal auto wounds and doesn't really just have an answer for the giant, but they're generally giants list is going to include Ygritte uh, as well as Steyr. Because if you Walder one of the giants, Ygritte goes on that giant Steyr goes on the other that it, it gets just, really throws really fast uh with styre giants technically if you hurt them and don't kill them uh if you roll um well enough on the d3 it's literally any unit in the game is gone so pretty pretty brutal yeah and i think that uh that about covers free folk i think uh the only other kind of honorable mention would be uh, Lady Val. I don't think uh, think she just kind of gets outshined because of the other NCUs are just so good, but she's definitely something to consider. That uh, extra maneuver really can get your stuff into position. But uh, I think we can kind of move on to uh, Night's Watch next. Um, I'd have to say Night's Watch is also one of those factions that there isn't a whole lot that's overlooked in the way of units um, other than I don't know, maybe maybe the Scorpion. Um, I, I think I still see the Scorpion a decent amount on, you know, some people playing on, like, uh, TTS. But I think overall in the grand scheme of things, I, I'm surprised I don't see it more, uh, especially when you combine it with Ramsey. Um, is it Cruel Methods? I, I always get his one. Yeah, it's Cruel Methods. Free attack. Yeah, being able to avoid the biggest downside of potentially one of the best cards in the game is just insane. So I think the Scorpion is definitely one of those units that, you know, in my opinion, I'm just really surprised I don't see it more. It can really put some damage on a lot of things, especially, you know, Giants. Uh, Giants is one of those things. Uh, The new dragons that are going to be coming out that a lot of people have been having a lot of problems with. Uh, you know, it can really uh, put some hurt on stuff, especially if you're going to be throwing the upgrade on it for, uh, uh, is it, what's uh, the attachment do again? Is it uh, the same thing at the crossbow? Uh, well, there's, crossbowman? there's two. There's two uh, now. So the builder, the senior builder's attachment is overwatch. If a unit ends a move, Within long range, it makes a free shot. The awful attachment is ready, aim, fire. Charge it in the front, it makes a free 
uh, ranged attack before you resolve your charge, and then rapid reload, which allows it to make a free shot with the maneuver zone. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, the, the ability to get all those shots is pretty insane. Between, like, if you run Ramsey and that attachment, you know, you'd have to run Yarwick uh, attachment rather than the commander, but just the ability to shoot that thing so many times. I've had a game uh, against uh, Jose where uh, it came down to the wire. You know, I only won by a couple victory points, but literally uh, my scorpion was the only thing that killed anything. It basically annihilated nearly all 40 points of his army while the rest of his 40, you know, the rest of his army kind of cleaned the table uh, all but being. So it was pretty much just the scorpion at the end of the game by itself, you know, had it, I mean, it shot like, like 12 times that game. It was insane. Uh, so definitely something to consider if uh, you're kind of looking to spice things up for the Night's Watch. Um, Justin, what about you? Is there anything that kind of stands out as uh, a unit that uh, you think is kind of overlooked? Well, I don't know what it's like, uh, like on TTS servers and stuff, but I know from the experience that I have fighting Night's Watch, I don't, I don't see a lot of conscripts, and I never see stone throwers. Stone throwers, I feel like, are not are. That's a different story, kind of. Uh, but I don't see conscripts much. Are they good right now on TTS? I don't know. Like I always thought they had merit. Oh yeah, conscripts have definitely seen their popularity rise. Uh, I ran two of them uh, in my John Snow list. You used to talk smack about them. Yeah, well, I had to go through the school hard knocks on those boys. Uh, I got tired of, uh, yeah, basically I got tired of being just so badly out-activated by Starks and Free Folk. And then uh, you add an insignificant unit in, and they are now able to take vows. So basically you use them as watcher bait, and now his watch is ended bait. Uh, You attach your horn that wakes the sleeper or whatever have you on them you let them die then you get it back uh and you get to reactivate another unit uh there's a lot of really cool plays that you can make with them so yeah i i sold out i used to hate them but now they i think they're the nice watch probably most valuable unit uh for four points they're just such a good tar pit they're misleadingly hard to fill because of reinforcements and if you throw in uh, Offal's cards, they actually do work. Uh, Sword in the Darkness to give them nine attacks um, and then start messing around with Vicious, Precision with Thundering, Critical Blows and, and Rerolls, they will they will get shit dead. Yeah, They're really, really good. Uh, I feel badly that I slept on them for as long as I did, but definitely the, uh, the TTS scene is well aware of, of them, so they're not they're a really popular choice now. I think they've actually got a 67% win rate or a 62% win rate. Any Nightwatch army that includes conscripts is like 62% win. So, yep, uh, super strong. Heck of a turnaround from when we talked to you about it in the past. You were like, no, conscripts, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I was very angry about <laughs> it. I, I, my, basically, my exact words were, if I wanted to run Raiders, I would play Free Folk. But that was me with my stubborn, <laughs> stubborn 
uh, I'm going to run free. I'm going to run Night's Watch because I want to be elite, and that's what I'm going to do. And I, uh, yeah, School of Hard Knocks. I just well, literally dropped, just directly dropped uh, veterans for two conscripts, and that gone list uh, hasn't lost a single game. So that's that's the difference. Well, a big part of it is adapt and overcome. Things change. The way people play changes, and you have to try to make do with what you got and learn how to play the things. It's not necessarily yeah. always about the stats. But I'm an old man. You're not an old man. Jesus. <laughs> I'm an old man. Stubborn <laughs> hey, you young children, I don't want to be a burden. Exactly. <laughs> young children, you're damn conscript hell. Them, them, them's free folk. Them ain't them ain't nice watch. Them's free folk. Them the free folk. <laughs> you are you are right about the stone thrower though. Um I've tried to run it. Uh maybe it was just a bad match that I ran it into because I ran it into another Night's Watch player and uh because of their obnoxious healing, uh it took me three rounds uh with spending Oppel's reroll card to bring one unit down. And if you spent three rounds killing one unit, then the rest of the army is on top of you with your 10-point unit. So I did not even kind of get my uh, 10 points back out of that unit. Um, but yeah, see, the, the it's I've okay. ran them in... Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, I was just going to say it's good. It's just dicey. It's like Melisandre. It's literally... It's literally dice. Like, do you roll five or a six for your D- D6 wounds, or do you roll one or a two? Somebody's mad. It's either the person that got smoked or the person that spent ten Wasted points ten and did points. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. See, I found uh, the key to making them, like, over the top, you know, because uh, I agree that they're – you have, I think, the perfect example of uh, someone's going to be mad. Uh, you have two categories. You have Jacken NCU and Mel NCU. Whereas, you know, if you take Jacken, someone's going to be mad, but more often than not, it's going to be the owner. If you take Mel, more often than not, it's going to be your opponent. But there still is that randomness to who is going to be mad. The stone thrower, I think, lies dependent on which category you put put it in is if you take one or two if you take one it's probably leaning more towards jackin category if you take two and able to shoot twice into the same unit in the same round uh you're leaning more towards mel uh i mean granted you're spending 20 points to basically obliterate one unit a turn but let's say they only have five units and you can eliminate one per turn starting round one um, and that's on average. If As long as you hit with both, roll average for both, you will kill them even without a panic test. Because what is it? It's um, D3, uh, or no, it's, sorry, it's 3 plus 1 for every rank, right? Uh, for the stone thrower? Yeah, it's been a while since I used one. Uh, let me see here. D6, so the stone thrower... D6 plus, D6 plus one for every rank. Okay, yeah. So that's so let's say on average, if you shoot twice, let's say one of the D6 rolls is a three, the other D6 roll is a four. That would be average of seven between the two D6. Uh, so that's seven wounds there. 
the first time you shoot, it's going to be three because they're going to have three ranks. So that puts you at ten. Let's say you only kill one full rank on the first shot. That means the second shot gives you two wounds. That puts you at exactly 12 on average if you hit with both, with one probably having a reroll because of uh, Awful's card. Uh, and that's without both panic tests factored in. Granted, that's also with fa- without factoring healing, but if you take Awful on the heal to replace its spot to get his card, you can kind of mitigate some of the healing. But still, I think... Uh, of the games I've played with these, I've run them in twos, and it's just ridiculously insane how good it is. I mean, granted, there are some counters to it. You can have someone have a lot of, like, cavalry and think, really fast-moving stuff, because that average I was just talking about only works for infantry. Obviously, it's going to be less uh, total wounds on a cavalry unit since they only start with two ranks. Um, but still, I think uh, depending on... Uh, how good they are is if you run them in pairs. You know, you can run two of these guys for 20 points. You can run Offal and then, I don't know, Craster to save on points. You have two NCUs still. Um, and you can run what, it's like four conscripts. That's 16 points. That puts you at 19 points. Uh, yeah, four conscripts, two stone throwers, and you could upgrade. Uh, um, Craster to Amon or to just, you know, another four-pointer if you need it, you know, Varus. It, you know, now you're at six, seven, eight activations for a Night's Watch army while on average deleting a unit every turn. And those weakened units trying to clash into your conscripts that are all insignificant, it gets pretty insane. Uh, but yes, I would say even though saying all that, stone throwers are definitely overlooked. And I think... Uh, you know, even with averages, you never know. You, you could roll really bad still and not delete units, and they could barely survive, especially if you're facing, like, stark berserkers. So it's just something to kind of look at. My rant is kind of over. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as far as Night's Watch, I think – oh, go ahead, Brett. Did you have something? No, I was just saying I'm being loud. I'm trying to dig through some of my nostalgic Warhammer stuff here. <laughs> so with the Night's Watch, I don't know. Like other than that, there's not a whole lot. Everything else is pretty fairly used. Uh, you know, you have vets very well used, Sworn Brothers, Conscripts, uh, definitely Ranger Trackers. I guess maybe Ranger Hunters are also kind of overlooked. But I think I've been seeing them quite a bit more uh, more and more lately. I think people are starting to kind of wake up to their potential, especially, you know, those that are experimenting with them with the new attachment uh, in the attachment box on uh, tabletop. Um, I mean... I think a big part of the hunters, though, is that they're relative... Like, compared to a lot of things, they're hard to use. I think they have, like, amazing potential. Obviously, they play a lot like Bastard Girls, just kind of reversed. So I like them a lot, but I know it took me, like, 20 games before I started actually, like, seeing... uh, Maybe not 20, that might be an exaggeration, but before I started seeing, like, results with Bastard Girls. Just a hard unit to use. Not that it's not good at all. It's amazing, actually. Yeah, and um, I know you uh, didn't hear it, but we were actually talking about Bastard Girls for Targaryens and how we think, you know, that unit 
in uh, Targaryens could be really useful. You know, just the ability to have some range, but also, you know, have that, uh, you know, still being a combat unit uh, could really work out well, especially in com- combination with uh, Peter taking the um, maneuver to trigger the spots while triggering the, like, combat zone to give them their free attack and then sick them. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, let's see. Other than that, for uh, Night's Watch, yeah, I think that's about uh, covers most of it. I think maybe Bowen Marsh, he's not really seen as, as much anymore, but I can kind of understand why, uh, especially when you kind of compare him to Elden. Granted, Elden has to replace the spot, but I don't know. Um, it's just... Night's Watch have so many good NCUs that I think that that's also what kind of um, makes Bowen a lot less uh, desirable. Uh, so we can kind of move on to our last faction, which is Baratheons. So, uh, Justin, I'm going to let you kind of take this one away because this, I know, is kind of your uh, up-and-coming uh, second faction. Well, I think out of, well, maybe we should look at it from two sides, but I don't know, from my perspective, I don't think anything is not used, but there's stuff that people don't want to use. I think stagnites are definitely the hardest to justify right now out of everything. Uh, But I do see them used a lot because people really want them to be awesome and good. Uh, But I would say that their their eight-point value at what they, they put in makes people not use them in tournaments and stuff because they're just not efficient for eight points. But I know our local group, uh, Jose, a lot especially, definitely tries to use them all the time. And I have to say, it usually never works out. Poor old guys. <laughs> Sorry, Jose. Uh, Spencer also uses them quite a bit, too. Uh, he likes them a lot. Um, you know, he he's definitely kind of on the same table or on the same uh, page as you uh, with them for the most part, but nonetheless, he still runs them quite a bit. And uh, they they perform, I, I'd say, a bit above expectation when I face them. But uh, well, what's I the think where they <laughs> – uh, to not really get their points back. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think they're okay, but it's very situational. Yeah, I think where it kind of – they kind of – are sitting at the moment is depending on, I don't know if you're going to run them by themselves. Yeah. I, I just can't really see it. If you're going to run them with a commander, it just depends on the commander, but I think a very uh, overlooked combination with them. If anyone's out there trying to really think of like a really cool combination is running them with Dario uh, attachment, you know, plus two dice uh, and uh, precision Granted, you have to lose a rank first to get yourself that critical blow, but man, they don't. If you lose that rank and you're at seven dice still at two ranks, now you're at nine dice with precision critical blow. And if you activate and play stag or uh, hold the line, you are now at eleven dice, hitting on twos. All sixes are two auto dead. Uh, the combination is really insane especially if you run it in like a Renly build that is going to be able to heal it's just it's crazy um you know granted yes you are paying 10 points for that unit but i mean i always try to whenever i see a 10 point unit the way i kind of get over that hump of uh you know you know that 
taken that final leap to run it is I think to myself all the other times I've ever run like a 10-point unit in a list, like, for example, Starks. I can't tell you how long, you know, I would run uh, like Rob Attachment and Berserkers. That's 10 points. You know, it's it adds a lot to the unit, yeah, um, but, you know, it's a, it's a hefty price to pay, 10 points. But, you know, some combinations definitely can make what, you know, a unit that uh, seems definitely uh, overcosted at eight points worth, you know, worth the points that they are when combined with uh, some of the combos with certain attachments. And in this case, precision, critical blow, uh, let's say you're at uh, one rank and now you got precision, critical blow and uh, sundering or vicious. I mean, it can get pretty insane. Hold the line or even uh, ours is the fury. Granted, yes, you're going to be taking a wound for every fail, but that's why I think hold the line is just insane. You run Courtney Penrose with them with the heal. Uh, he'll add some of the healing from the Runley side of things, and he has uh, the uh, Justin. You would know the name of the card because it's a neutral card. Uh, lets you go get any card in the discard pile if you have the mail. Ah, um, oh, well, there's two. It just um, depends. Uh, the one with the mail, I think, is surprise strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one and. That's the card Courtney has. Yep, and so that card will definitely help you go get, uh, you know, have a better chance of getting that hold the line right when you need it, as long as you've used one before. Uh, and then Elden to kind of get through your deck much faster. I mean, that combo can be pretty reliable between running Courtney um, to save some points on NCUs, uh, then Elden to also save some points because now you only have, you know, between the two, you only have three points invested. And now you can run this 10-point unit that, you know, is going to lay waste to a ton of things. Um, you know, 11 dice hitting on twos, man, just the thought of it, you know, you're going to annihilate so many different things. So it's definitely, I think, uh, an overlooked combo. So anyone really itching to kind of get Stagnites out there to you know, be worth their points, try that combo out and just kind of keep in mind some of the ideas I threw out there. I'm sure there's definitely other uh, combos you can run with it, different like commanders and NCUs, but I think the uh, Courtney and Elden and whatnot is a good start. Um, what about you, Brett? Does any, uh, anything else other than Stagnites kind of pop, pop to your mind for units? Sorry, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, I had it muted. Um, <laughs> I think that people don't run um, Sentinels too terribly much, but um, I was just having a conversation about them last night, actually, with uh, Carlo and Mickey, uh, the Song of Ice and Fire staff guys. Uh, the problem, I think, with Sentinels is they're not bad. Thundering's a really great keyword. Uh, I think the problem for Sentinels is that they're just outshined in their role because their role is the hammer, but they're just outdone by uh, cutthroats with, uh, you can go the route of cutthroats with uh, the Master Warden to make them almost as defensive as Sentinel. Uh, just that extra point of armor is what's missing. And situationally, uh, Vicious is going to be better than Thundering, and then you've got the vulnerable token caveat. But with on the Stannis side, if you put a Red Priestess in Cutthroat, I'm arguing that they're going to do more damage than Sentinels on their own. So that seems to be the problem with Sentinels. It's not that they're bad. They have beautiful models, and 
people like them, but they're just kind of outshined by uh, the neutral units. So outside of that, um, as far as units, I know that they're brand new still, but I think uh, the champions of stag aren't getting a lot of love. I think a lot of people view them as too slow and uh, too easy to avoid and too many points, but uh, champions of the stag in an Axel Florent-led lift, the commander Axel Florent, they can be disgusting. Uh, He's got that card that gives them plus two attack dice and sundering, Uh, and then Galise and Shireen can make them the uh, Relore unit. Uh, Yeah, they, yeah, it's uh, they could have 10 attack dice with thundering critical blows plus D3 wounds from Solis and Shireen. They don't really care about taking the D3 wounds in return because they're so tanky. Um, and then with Stag's Resilience in the deck and, uh, you know, uh, running Tycho and things like this, they can be a very, 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 very tough unit. And they can end up doing a lot of damage if they're taken with uh, Axel Florence. So... Uh, even uh, that said, I don't. Go ahead. You can finish your thought. I was just saying. Other than that, I mean, yeah, everything's everything's pretty widely used. Um, the reward a whole lot of stuff. That's part of the reason. Yeah, they don't have a whole lot of choices, but um, I guess Davos, I think, is criminally underused as a as a commander, but his NCU just isn't, isn't doing it for me. So I don't think I've ever seen his NCU taken ever, not one single time. I get that he gives them a reroll on charge distance, uh, but for four points, I think he's got two tokens. Just, yep. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, he's kind of in the same department as the original Donald Noy. I guess a really great idea. It's really cool. It, does something cool. It fills some roles in the army, but uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah I think maybe if Davos had like five tokens, and the only reason I say so many is because you compare him to like Varys, who has four tokens. Uh, I mean, Varys's ability to, you know, is pretty, you know, can be pretty game changing, whereas, you know, Rerolling some charges with uh, a faction is kind of on the slower side. I think I think at least four, but I think five is where like he would be really shine, and a lot of people would really start taking him, really? you know, quite often. Well, um, but the only problem with that is like, would you ever use all four tokens? Like, how often are you needing to? Hopefully, you're not the I guy having to reroll charge. four charges. Yeah, I mean, you might succeed but if like it's a um a uh disorderly i mean that might be situations but uh like counter charge i think creates some situations where you'll be charging a bit more than you know uh than some might think that's the way i I look at it is like maybe the ability itself isn't appropriate i really i I just don't see someone needing to re-roll it four times one if it were like you can re-roll and you get plus one to charge or something like that. Something that really See, aids the Baratheons. That's what I'm thinking there. I'm, I'm with you on that one. That's what Yay, I'm I'm a smart person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to go back to what you're saying, Brett, about the champions of the stag, uh, they, I think, also con- uh, 
combined well with uh, anything on Renly's side, even just, you know, a two-up save with a five-up morale with Perry makes these guys the most defensive unit in the game. Uh, They also, you know, when you heal them, it's just you're, you know, getting so much out of that heal, it's insane. Not to mention having that five-up morale really pairs well with uh, Renly Charismatic Air because he has that that one card um, that heals for every point. Yeah, that for every point you uh, pass by, you're going you to get, get a. Yep. So you're looking at a three up morale. Now you only need to roll a seven to get that four wounds back and pass that morale test. Um, you know, I've played against these guys uh, a couple times now, and you know it's insane. I just it, they're so hard to kill. Um, you know, sometimes they're more effort than is, you know, worth it. You know, run Varus in your list to kind of help against, like, Walder turning them off. But, uh, yeah, anyone not really running these guys or testing them enough, I definitely suggest, uh, you know, trying these guys out. Um, but going back to Sentinels, uh, that was going to be the next thing I brought up, if either of you guys didn't. Um, to me, I love Sentinels. Uh and maybe I'm kind of the outlier. I know there's a lot of people. I feel like Sentinels is definitely that one unit in the Baratheon army that there's not a lot of people in the middle ground. There's a lot of people that, like, really don't like them at all and some that just stand by them. Like, you know, I just – I think these guys are, like, perfect at the six points uh, in the sense that uh, maybe not like I would like to see them might maybe at like a six morale at their point cost. But what I mean by perfect at six points is I can't tell you how many lists I've experimented with with Baratheons and um, Sentinels being at six points. It, it allows me, you know, that offensive unit at six points because a lot of these other offensive units are seven points or more, you know, between the uh, faithful the Stagnites, the Champions of the Stag, um, you know, they're the only other real offensive units, or even like Bastard Scrolls, the only real other offensive unit, as you were mentioning, Brett, is the Cutthroats. But they kind of add a different bit of offense, though you can add maybe some attach- attachment to them to make them six points at the same points. Um, they're a bit less defensive unless you run the Warden in there, but they're going to be providing that vicious. So if that's not really what your army is looking for, that Sundering can really go a long way depending on what uh, opponent that you're going to be facing. And I can't tell you how many lists I've made where them being one point cheaper and giving me that offensive uh, ability has allowed me to add like another NCU or another uh, um, combat unit to allow me to kind of up my activations. These guys are also, you know, are hard hitting and combined with most of the Baratheon cards just make them super dangerous. If you can get a charge off with these guys and really do a number on your opponent, and then if your opponent tries to attack back and you have something like ours as the Fury, I mean, just from one activation and a reactive card, I mean, you can wipe out a unit. These guys have a lot of offensive potential. Granted, yes, they have, uh, I would say, um, 
just barely below average defensiveness because they have the you know four up mor- or four up uh, armor putting on the average there, and then I would say seven up morale is kind of below average. Uh, I know on dice average that means that they should pass 50% of the time, but more often than not there's going to be a, a minus in there somewhere. But um, so I think running these guys with some healing uh, definitely helps a lot. Uh, Tycho. Uh, very underrated in my opinion when with Baratheons in particular. Uh, maybe not like on the grand scheme of everything. I think Tycho is definitely seen quite a bit, but with Baratheons, Tycho with uh, either Sentinels or Champions of the Stag can be pretty uh, game-changing, you know, especially if you've committed a ton of resources to kind of beat down the champions of the stag, a Tycho heal, you know, at the last second can really just, you know, uh, demoralize your opponent. So I think uh, definitely uh, both of those units are uh, overlooked for sure. Was there any... uh, Yeah, that's that's all I've got. That's all I've got. That's, That's it. What about you, Justin? Any uh, anything we kind of left out as far as uh, Baratheons go? Nope. All the other units are basically the rest of the army, and that's what's used. <laughs> we yeah. should say wardens. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wardens are used and abused because they're amazing. Yeah, I think as we talked about in the other episode, a lot of us agree that they're one of the top, if not the top, five point unit, depending yeah. on who you ask. For sure. So. So yeah, uh, for everyone listening, I appreciate you guys listening on the episode. Um, you know, let us know uh, in the comments of any, you know, either on our page or any of the posts uh, on the pages for this uh, show. You know, what your kind of thoughts are on what we talked about tonight. I hope uh, what we talked about was kind of insightful and maybe uh, kind of give you a new perspective on some of these units that you know are overlooked by a lot of people. Um, you know, and try out some of the ideas we gave. I think uh, though they might not, you know, they might be overlooked because they are a bit uh, weaker than a lot of the stuff that's used more often than not. But I think you'd be surprised at uh, how, you know, how well some of these units can kind of hold their own. And just the surprise factor or the, you know, factoring in maybe uh, the lack of experience your opponent might have facing a unit might put them over the edge and make them, at least temporarily stronger than a unit that your opponent might see all the time. So uh, definitely consider all that. Uh, definitely uh, want to give some shout outs as usual. Uh, for those that uh, are new to the show, we do our show every uh, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, our shows usually run about an hour, hour and a half uh, when we can kind of, you know, control it. Uh, goes a bit longer when we got like guests on and whatnot, but uh all the same, we appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, for those that can't listen to our show live, uh, we are on uh, this site, which we do it through, is blogtalkradio.com. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, and TuneIn. And we are also we can also be found on a Song of Ice and Fire Guild.com. It is a one-stop shop that you can go to find a ton of content from a diff, bunch of different uh, content creators, ranging from uh, battle reports, both video and in uh, article form. You can find uh, like in-person battle reports, uh, 
recorded as well as Tabletop Simulator recorded, a uh, bunch of different podcasts, and uh, just tons of different content. So definitely go check that place out. You can um, find not only us, but I think uh, like seven other content creators on there, um, all kind of with our own different style, but all in one easy place for you guys can kind of find us. Um, the best thing you guys can do for us is to show your support is to like, follow, and share out our page whenever possible. Uh, you know, either whether it be on the internet or in your kind of gaming group, uh, maybe some of your guy, your buddies uh, don't really know about our show. You know, just kind of in passing mention our show, and maybe uh, they might uh, take a look. Um, we are still doing the giveaways, so if we can hit uh, 700 likes on our Facebook page. We will be giving out a unit box uh, to a random winner. Uh, so for every 100 likes, so if we had 800, 900, uh, we're going to give out unit boxes. And at 1,000 likes, we will be giving out a starter box along with a unit box. So two giveaways if we hit 1,000. Um, we also have our one-year uh, anniversary show coming up in a couple weeks uh, or a few weeks. I think it's like three weeks from now. Um, we're going to be doing something special that I'll probably be mentioning in the next episode. So definitely stay tuned for that one. Uh, it's going to be uh, definitely worth, uh, you know, listening and trying to get on, uh, getting in on it. It's going to be a giveaway of some kind. So definitely uh, stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, with that said, I appreciate you guys all for listening in. Uh, and we will be on next week. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.